Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on the show, we have Sherry Ame, who is a technology leader and a near-death survivor whose story of resilience has impacted millions. This former CEO died seven years ago due to heart failure, and doctors were unable to resuscitate her for over 90 minutes. Sherry has been featured in Forbes, Influensive, and the Dr. Oz Show, and now travels the world speaking about resilience, community building, and living from the heart. Her story was chosen out of 3,800 near-death stories and is featured in the book, God's Fingerprints, Impressions of Near-Death Experiences. You can visit her website at sherryame.com. So Sherry Ame, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so honored that you invited me on. So I'm excited to and and enjoy this journey with you together today. Oh, I'm thrilled. And just looking at your picture and your videos and things you have online, I'm like, I love you. You just <laughs> you just have this light that shines from your being and smile and I just I get why you're so successful. And oh, uh yeah, you. you're a good woman, so I'm really really honored that you're here. Thank you. Thank you. It's very sweet of you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, as I told you, but I'm also telling the listeners, so every once in a while I might need to mute myself to cough or sneeze, but the show must go on. So here we are. So, <laughs> Sherry, why don't you, you know your story better than anyone, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, tell us a little bit about you, and then, you know, yeah. how you got into all of this, and I know it was through a lot of pain, but yeah, yeah, yeah if you would. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's it's always a weird place to know where to start (laughs) with my story sure but um yeah i i i I had a near-death experience um but if i were to back up before that um i was a programmer for most of my career after college um when i finally rooted myself down and figured out what i really loved doing it randomly ended up being programming. I just kind of stumbled upon it one day and fell in love with it. I've always been an artist, actually, um, but fell in love with programming and self-taught myself everything and ended up in my first tech startup, um, you know, when I'm still very young and just learned and grew very, very quickly. So uh, my career took off very quickly um, after teaching myself how to code. And I was able to kind of move around the country in the United States, um, you know, living this laptop lifestyle and and work for various different companies. I did a little bit of a stint at uh, Microsoft um, at one point out in Washington State. Yeah. And really just ended up working through uh, different startup companies and then moved my way into advertising and branding. And just my ability to understand the ins and outs of digital marketing, I ended up launching my own tech firm uh, before the age of 30. And it was very successful. I mean, I would definitely say it felt like the height of my success at the time. And everything was going great. I was actually about to get married. um, And I ended up getting sick. I uh, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. 
and had no warning symptoms, nothing. It just was found by accident. Um, and this was actually discovered two months after my wedding anniversary. So, um, it, I underwent about six months of chemotherapy, uh, which was, you know, absolute nightmare, but yes, brutal, right? No words for that. Um, made it through and, uh, was cancer free and really was like getting ready to take this new lease on life, this new perspective of life um, out into the world. And I just wanted to help people and give back. And I did a little bit of work. Um, You know, I kind of slowed down the tech business that I had started to build. I had like 20 employees um, and I just needed to scale it down and reassess what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted to put my energy. So I ended up uh, doing a little bit of uh, I was on the board of directors for this nonprofit in South Africa. I just kind of utilized some of my digital marketing experiences to to put towards uh, causes that I really, truly believed in. Um, and I did that for about eight months until I started feeling really um, not well. I was having trouble breathing. And I had had your regular follow-up um, testing after, you know, chemotherapy. You still do some regular heart checkups and all of that. But everything came out fine. And for about three weeks, I was having trouble breathing. And um, it was during that time that I started to realize, you know, something wasn't right here. And, um, you know... I can go into more detail if we have time, but it it really was a period of three weeks of just realizing that um, I had something going on with my body that no one was going to figure it out. Okay. Um, And this is kind of the beginning of of my my near-death journey. But, um, you know, just to kind of give a quick summary for everyone – this is kind of where my whole journey of what's made me who I am today begins. It's from literally this moment. And, um, you know, everything we can get into is really going to showcase how it's changed my perspective on life in an even bigger way. Um, But not only that, it's allowed me to actually still remain grounded in the current world, current reality, and yet bring alongside me a or inside me a more powerful stance at life and showing up as a light for others. Um, so that's just a little bit of a background of kind of where I've come from, what ended up happening and obviously leading into this, this big trauma that I ended up experiencing. Um, so if you would like, I can kind of dive deeper into yes, that. Yes, please. And we have whatever okay. time you need. We don't have to stop okay, great. at any time. So okay. I want to be respectful so of your time, but also I'd yeah. like you to share. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so, so like I said, I was having trouble breathing for those three weeks. And, you know, I tried to go see uh, – I went to the emergency room of my local hospital, and it it was a nightmare. Um I was, they never got to testing 
my actual symptoms because they ended up assuming it was my gallbladder and this and that, and they had drugged me with a drug that made it look like I was having a stroke. Long story. <laughs> but um, so the t- the one time I went to the emergency room to figure out why I was having trouble breathing ended up turning into a fiasco. I ended up being released the next day with no resolution to why I had this breathing problem. And I was told that my heart was checked, everything was checked. So for the next three weeks, I tried to actually make appointments with my doctors, like in their uh, actual offices as opposed to the emergency room. And I was met with, well, with those symptoms, you know, we have to tell you to go to the emergency room. And at that point, I had had such a trauma from going into the emergency room, being given this drug that sure. made delirious. And uh, it was very, very traumatic. So my response, as well as my husband's response, was the ER didn't help us. You know, I, I need to go see my doctors. And for about two weeks, I was put, I was pushed away. Like, no, we're not going to let you come in the office. You have to go to the emergency room. So I started to feel very helpless and alone. And then I started turning to more of my alternative doctors, um, or, um, you know, medical practitioners, chiropractors, whatever. And I started kind of frantically going there, trying to, you know, um, do more uh, holistic testing to see what was going on. And they kept coming back saying my heart was fine. I was very worried about my heart. And everybody around me really started to say, well, you were checked out at the ER and you were fine. These other doctors say you're fine. Your medical doctors won't let you come in the office. So Sherry, maybe you're just kind of overreacting, which is a normal reaction to anybody that's ever really undergone chemotherapy and yeah. gone through cancer. Yeah, you know what I mean? So sometimes people think, okay, you're kind of still traumatized from, from the chemo and the cancer and um, you know, they call it what, like hypochondriac uh, or something yeah. like that. So I kind of was treated like that, and I get it, I understand. But in the in those weeks, I I knew something was wrong with my body, and I try to tell everybody like nobody knows your body more th- better than you. You know, even a lot of times your doctors don't know. Right. They don't understand your symptoms. You can explain it. Not everybody understands, even a doctor that's a specialist. Um, and that was the first warning sign was that I, I knew. I knew something was wrong. I knew the feeling I felt in my body was like, I just remember this one line that kept running through my head. And it was, this is not a cold. This is not pneumonia. This is not the flu. This is something that no human should be feeling on a day-to-day basis. Like that was the one line that kept going through my head is no human should feel like this. It's not normal. 
But that wasn't enough to convince anybody around me that something was wrong because I looked fine. Yes. So, you know, those three weeks turned into the one of the, I would say, the loneliest time, uh, even, even more lonely than the depths of darkness I felt going through chemotherapy. Um, I felt so alone and so helpless because my soul, my intuition was telling me uh, the last two weeks that I was dying. And I tried to tell the people around me, but they didn't believe me. Oh, how scary. Yeah, it was it was very scary. And at the same time, as the week started closing down into like the final days, I, you know, something interesting happened. I started to come to terms with it. I think my my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit just went into this space of acceptance and finding a place of peace in the midst of the chaos that was going on around me and and knowing and coming to terms with the fact that I was dying and nobody was actually going to believe it until it happened. So I just started having just naturally these quiet moments with my soul that started, I would say, even in the last week when I realized it was getting close. I could really tell it was getting closer by the day. And every day I would have these quiet talks with myself and I'd be like, wow, like you just built this whole successful tech firm as this female in a very highly male-dominated field. You went to a good school. You studied. You know, you were a good child. You you did everything right. You followed all the rules. You did what you were told. You you ate the right foods. And my brain just kept going through my whole life. And what I had thought was success and what I thought was being a good person in the world. And I treated people well. I was kind. And I was trying to find answers that everything I had done was about to end, (laughs) which is an interesting journey in itself. Yeah. And I and I hadn't even died yet. So the last couple of days, um, you know, I became more and more at peace with it. And I and the world inside me started to slow down. And I would very calmly tell people, um, you know, like I told the the board of directors of the nonprofit in South Africa, I said, you know what, I'm not going to be able to continue anymore. And then I remember turning to all my social media accounts and I started closing them down one at a time. And I started to tell my husband, we need to clean up all of the stuff, all of my stuff in our storage room. Because we had just gotten married, we had just moved in 
together. And we had, or shortly the year before. And so because we had merged uh, belongings and I was moving into his place, most of my stuff at that point was still in one of our storage rooms. And so I, in this moment, started saying to him, kind of in a rushed way, you need to help me clean up all of my stuff and get it in dumpsters and get all my clothes and the things that I don't want. Everything needs to go to Goodwill. So this is literally happening the last week. And it was was an urgency with him. Like, no, we need to do this the entire weekend. So my soul was making these preparations to die. It knew. And yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, people always ask me, like, gosh, weren't you freaking out at that moment? Like, you know, you're dying. And I said, no, it was so peaceful at that point. It was kind of like, I don't know. It was almost like a to do list. Like, before I die, like, this is what I've always thought my whole life. I always thought, like, how do you die? Do you need to pack a suitcase? Do you need to, like, put together all your paperwork? You know, they talk about wills and this and that. Yeah. So I kind of was just starting to make sure that everything was just put together and that the people I left behind didn't need to deal with my storage and like my clothes and my stuff. It's just, it was just this natural um, thing that came over me that I just needed to make sure everyone was, that I wasn't a burden once I was gone. And so it was three days before everything happened and I went to the beach and I thought maybe this was like my last chance to turn things around. Maybe I'm just stressed. So I drove myself an hour to uh, the beach where I grew up and I laid out on my blanket and I was so uncomfortable because I was still having trouble breathing And I just tried everything that I knew. I I tried meditating. I tried staring out at the water, you know, just instant peace. Just bring instant peace over my body. Let it relax. You know, if it's just stress, let it relax. And I was doing all the visualizations that I had learned over the years and reading books like Wayne Dyer and Louise Hay. Yes, yes. Right? Yeah, we've got them all too. Yeah. Yes. I was just bringing out all the tools. And just believing like maybe there's one last chance and I lay there for about an hour and then I remember feeling the sun beating on my skin and this voice said get up and I kind of ignored it at first and then I heard it again and I was like get up and I sat up I thought, okay, maybe I just need to sit up. Maybe lying down is not a good idea since I'm having trouble breathing. Maybe I just need to sit up. And then I heard it again. And it was very distinct. And it said, you need to pack up. I know you don't feel well, but you need to pack up, get back in the car, and drive home. But before you drive home, you need to text your husband, and you need to tell him what route you're taking home should anything happen. So I kind of sat there for a little bit thinking, okay, you're going crazy. 
you know, you're over exaggerating, right? Yes, the, yeah. the same, the same thing everyone else was telling me, you know, you're, you're imagining things. And I heard the voice very clear again. And so I did, I listened, I packed up, I got in the car. I remember I backed out and then the car, the voice again was like, no, you need to text your husband the exact route. I pull up my phone. I pulled over the car, pulled out my phone and I texted him and told him the route. I got back in the car and I basically had to talk myself the whole drive home because the voice was so clear that I really thought something was going to happen to me on the way home. I ended up making it home. And I remember getting to my front door thinking, you see, Sherry, you, you were just um, imagining things. Right. And I went inside and I went into the bedroom and my husband wasn't home yet. Um, but he got home shortly after. Um, but when I got home, I went into the bedroom and I was so confused. And I, I just kept thinking, what is that voice? And so I called up the one person that was left that I felt like would believe me when I said I wasn't feeling well. And it was my meditation teacher. And I had been going to meditation circles um, maybe once every two weeks while I was kind of building my stressful tech business. And it just really helped me uh, ground yes, during, during yeah, my years in business. So I called her, and there's something very interesting to note with her. She's very intuitive. She's a very intuitive uh, medita- meditation teacher. Um, so she's got different abilities and stuff. And normally, when you book a, an appointment with her, you have to leave a message. And what she ends, what you notice is that she never calls you back that day. Um, it's always a few days later, and you, we just kind of all know that. Um, and I think what she's doing is really tuning in to see kind of when she's ready to book you. And I called and I left the message and she wrote me back uh, or she called me back literally immediately. And I remember being nervous, like, what does she know? Right. And she called me back and I told her I wasn't feeling well. And she goes, I just had a cancellation. Like, it was so weird how it happened. Mm-hmm. She's like, I never get a cancellation. I just had one for tomorrow morning. See me then. So I felt better. I was like, okay, I've got a plan. I've got somebody I can trust. Why didn't I think of going to her sooner? It was like kind of that thing. Um, so the next morning, I was on my way and got there. And the minute I walked in the door, I saw her. She took me into her back room where she has the sessions. And the minute she closed the door, I burst into tears. I burst into tears that turned into wailing. From from the depths of my soul, it was this wailing like um, like a tribal ritual type wailing that you would hear, right? And... I'd never cried like that before. Um, And she couldn't get me to stop. And she kept saying, what's wrong? What's wrong? And what was happening in that moment was I was having this download of this universal truth and wisdom 
that just flooded into my system rapidly where I was shown the truth of our existence and how the world works and how everything's connected. And in that instant, I realized that I had lived my whole life backwards. I had lived it the wrong way. I had lived it living by other people's rules, other people's expectations. And in that flood, it it ran through every scenario right down to to the fact of whether I ate one thing or a blueberry. Like every decision I made in life was because somebody else told me to eat it. I ate blueberries because somebody else told me to eat it. It wasn't because my body eventually tuned in and felt it was the right thing to eat. You were doing the right thing. Yes. Always doing the right thing. And in that moment, I was flooded with the realization that that was not how I was supposed to live my most powerful life. And so my soul was crying from the depths of its existence. And what came out of my mouth was, I did it all wrong. I did it all wrong. And then I would be wailing again. And she was trying to calm me down and say, what did you do wrong? And I said, everything everything. And that's all I could communicate to her. So she eventually laid me down and started kind of working on me, doing some energetic work. And I finally calmed down, my soul calmed down. And she ended up telling me this story. And whenever she, whenever I ever had a session with her, which wasn't that many times because her sessions were so powerful, they were so real and she always got to the heart of me, and she always told me what I needed to be told, even though I never would say to her specifically what was going on. So that's the most I said to her, was I did it all wrong. And she calmed my system down, and then she sat down next to me after maybe 30 minutes, and she told me this story. And she said, you know, Sherry, I had this friend who was diagnosed with cancer, And she went through chemotherapy. She came out and she was cancer-free. She was healthy. And she felt great. The doctors all cheered. They were all happy. And she was well on her way to creating her new life. And then one day the doctors called her and they said, we just got one of your tests back and the cancer is back and it's spread and you're dying. And this vibrant lady that had just been given this new bill of health literally passed away within 24 hours. Right. Very powerful, our words. Yes. Yep. And it was several days later that they realized the call they made to her was giving her the results of somebody else that they were incorrect. She was still healthy. She was still healthy and cancer-free. Wow. That's the power of belief. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So here I was laying calm now, and she's telling me this story. And the only thing I could think of was she doesn't say anything to me unless it's for a reason. 
I never said to her, I think I'm dying. I never said anything other than I did it all wrong. So I sat there like I normally do, and I took it in, and this ping of fear came over me, and I realized she knew. She knew what I knew. And her following last sentence was, Sherry, I just want to tell you that I'm telling you that story because sometimes in life, our souls, our actual souls are given a chance of whether or not we want to live or whether or not we want to pass on. And it's the soul that gets to make that choice. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So she left me in that room just with those words. And I remember looking up at the light. I was, she's like, I'm going to let you just rest here for a while and just feel safe and know that I'm just outside gardening. And so she left, closed the room, and I was left with that. And I remember looking up at the window with the sun kind of beaming through the curtains, and I remember feeling the angels on me. And it was just me in this quiet, peaceful room with the angels. And I just asked them to take care of me. And I said, I don't know if I'm going to, you know, to myself, I said, I don't know if I'm going to pass away right here, but just take care of me. Yes. And an hour later, I was still there. And so I kind of got up slowly and I just said, I'm going to drive home. And so I walked outside to my car and there she was gardening with her husband. And I told her I was going to go, um, back home. She told me to be strong and go back on Monday and tell the doctors, I'm not feeling well and you have to see me. So she gave me some words of strength to go demand answers. So I kind of left feeling better knowing I talked to somebody that listened and that she gave me a plan of action to go back in there and demand I be seen. So, and at this point it was Friday. So in my head, I'm thinking, well, I'm certainly not going back to the emergency room. So on Monday, when the doctor's office is open, I'll stand my ground. So on the way home, I picked up some Thai food. Don't ask why. I wasn't feeling well still. (laughs) Um, I had just been bawling my eyes out. Uh But my soul said, Thai food. Pick up Thai food before my husband. Because I don't, because my brain was like, I don't feel well. I can't cook for him. Let me pick some dinner up for him so he's okay. So I drove myself home after picking up the food. He was home and I arrived. Now, granted, Thai food was my husband's and my favorite food ever. So I could eat Thai food morning, afternoon, dinner, right. any time of the day. Right. First big sign that something was wrong. I walk in and I said to him, here's your dinner. I'm going to put mine in the freezer because I don't feel well. And I said, I'm going to go back to bed. He's like, wow, really? You're not going to have any? I'm like, no, I don't feel well. I said, I'll be in bed. And he was in the living room watching TV. So I stayed in bed and I really didn't feel well. And I thought she was my last hope. 
I, I'm not sure what's going on here. So I laid there. And at that point, my soul knew this was it. So my husband came in a few hours later, kind of stumbling because he was tired. The lights, he turned off the lights, got in bed. And I said to him, you know, babe, can you promise me should everything, anything ever happen to me that you'll take care of my, my beagle, Snoopy? Promise me you'll take care of Snoopy. And I'm staring at my beagle, you know, as I say this, who's sitting next to me in his bed. And he said, I've told you that before. And I said, I know, but I need you to tell me again. Can you please just say it one more time? He goes, okay. If should anything ever happen to you, I promise I'll take care of Snoopy. And I said, thanks. And then we said, good night. And I kind of turned over, rolled over, stared at my beagle, who I was terrified of, like, being left without me. And... I cried myself to sleep. Oh, you poor girl. That was the last I remember. So apparently the next day I woke up and was coherent, but I don't remember anything of that day. Um, I was whispering because I couldn't talk. So you had to come put your ear to my mouth to hear me. And I could not move from the bed. Um or I refused to move from the bed, let's say. So my hus- my stepdaughter apparently was there with me because she was cleaning. My husband went to the uh, post office, came back, and as my stepdaughter was leaving the house, she said goodbye to my husband and said, you might want to check on Sherry. She doesn't look very good. And my husband said that when he came in the house, he found me walking down the hall towards the bathroom. And he said, I kept complaining that both of my arms were heavy. And when I said that both my arms were heavy, he knew something was wrong. Right. So he threw me in the car. Apparently, I was kicking and screaming because he said, I'm taking you back to the ER. And I didn't want to go. I actually wanted him to take me to Yale Hospital, which was an hour away. And he said he kept telling me we don't have enough time for that. And I was really mad at him. Like, apparently I was kicking and screaming and saying, no, you have to take me to Yale. I'm not going back to her local hospital. So he had to throw me in the car, um, raced me up. Our local hospital is about seven minutes away. He got me in the door. um, And apparently five minutes later, um, they brought me into a back room where I collapsed in his arms and flatlined. Oh, my gosh. So that's the beginning of my actual near-death story. It happened in that moment when I collapsed. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a whole journey in itself. But what I want to share about what happened in that moment when I crossed over is that my first reaction was, it was so instant. One minute I was in one dimension, and the next minute I was floating in this other dimension where it was just complete white light. And I didn't have a body, so I was formless, but I felt as light as a feather, and I was still Sherry. Like I was still me. Still you, yeah. Yeah, still my same conscious, yeah. Uh And I remember being like, oh, 
I just died. <laughs> like that was my first reaction. I knew exactly where I was. And it was very still and very quiet and just all surrounded by white. And I wasn't scared, but I knew where I was. And in that moment, I actually connected right back to my meditation teacher that I had seen the night before. And I said to her, I called out to her and I said, oh, now I know why you told me sometimes in life our soul has a choice, is given a choice of whether or not they want to stay or go. I said, now I know why you told me that. I love it here. I choose to stay. Those were my first words when I crossed over. And I communicated back and forth with her. And I said, wow, I'm so free. I'm free of the burden. I'm free of the shame. I'm free of the shame of just living my life, feeling like I could never make people happy. I'm free of the of being a burden on other people by having cancer and and quote unquote ruining the lives of all those around me, being a disappointment. Those were the those that's how that's what was running through my head when I died. That I no longer need to be a burden to anybody anymore. And the weight off was off my shoulders. The density of the real world was gone. And I choose to stay here. I was very, very sure of that fact. And the insurance came from the fact that I was no longer a burden. My existence was no longer a burden to the people around me because that's how I'd felt my whole life. And after I made that decision, I suddenly found myself at the basement of the uh, ocean floor. Nothing scary. It, it's, it, it was very different uh, in the other world, um, but it was the bottom of the ocean, and it had a very kind of Atlantis feel, um, where I knew I was in... S- a whole other time dimension uh, and existence. And it felt very, um, it, it felt out of this world almost. And I was floating at the bottom of the, this, the basement of this ocean floor. And I was in the center and I found myself surrounded by nine beings all around me, just circling around me. And we were all just floating there. Everything was still. It was dark, but just light enough where I could see that they were all dressed in complete black, like scuba diving outfits, but without the oxygen tank. Okay. So their whole, so it's like the whole scuba uh, diving outfit, the whole black outfit, um, you know, skin tight outfit, all the way down to the fins. They had those black fins that they use. Um, so no oxygen tank, and then the face. The whole mask of the scuba diver covered their face. So I couldn't tell if they were male or female or anything. But their body features were human. Um, But that's 
how they appeared to me. And they were all quiet and surrounding me in a circle. And then um, I finally kind of realized, oh, these are just... My, this is just my welcoming committee and, and the afterlife. Um, and I never felt scared. I just was kind of like, why are y'all staring at me? Well, y'all <laughs> like scuba I, diving too. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right. And so like I really remember being like, okay, I'm uncomfortable that you guys are staring at me. Like, can you say something at least? Um, so there was a, a lot of downtime and quiet time. And I kept saying to them, I know where I am, you guys, like, we can kind of move on. Like, I'm ready to stay. I know I died. I want to stay. So you can take me on. We can go on to the light and do what we do over here. Um, and nothing. They just sat there, like, just dangling in this water, still as can be. We're all just floating. I'm in the center. And they're just all directed at me. And they're kind of at a distance you know, but still, you know, close enough where they're surrounding me in a circle. And so I kept asking and I start getting frustrated. And then finally I say, okay, Sherry, let me just relax a bit because this is weird. So I kind of relaxed my whole being for a minute. And I just tuned in and listened. And I realized they were answering me, but they were answering me telepathically. And in that moment, I realized that they were saying to me, you're not ready to make that decision. And I kept saying to them, no, I am. I don't, I don't want to go back. And again, I was met with, when I tuned in, the telepathic message that we're not taking you on yet. Hmm. And in that moment, I experienced this complete collapse of time and space and everything just collapsed and turned into this whirlwind. And I was thrust for the next, I don't know how you can gauge time, but it felt like forever. I experienced a complete life review and it wasn't just the life review of the life I had just left. It was a life review of all of my lifetimes. So I remember lifetimes of being, you know, living in the United States. I remember lifetimes of being in India, wow. you know, of being, yeah, in China, uh, life reviews of being on a China, you know, fishing ship, like, you know, one of those massive, like, ships, um, you know, the ones that are like killing, you know, the, the whales or the whatever it is that they're catching. Um, and then I remember being the actual whale in another lifetime and, and being caught or being, um, you know, a, a, a sea creature that was just caught and, and ravaged. Um, and I experienced all of this in this time, space, uh, time and space no longer existed. So the best way I, I end up telling, um, like I've written a lot of the individual stories, which I won't get into now, but there's a lot of individual stories that, that really stood out that I remember. Okay. Um, 
And there's so many that, you know, my story can literally be eight hours long (laughs) as I told the whole thing. But some of the life reviews, like some of the lifetimes were actually happening at the same time. And some were happening one after the other. And then some were happening repeatedly. Like some life reviews, they just kept repeating themselves. And one of them, and, and some could be in the future. So one of the stories that I share is I experienced my funeral. And so I'm experiencing kind of like the future almost. Um, and so I experienced my funeral. I experienced everyone there, the emotions that were taking place. I was connected to everybody that was still alive. And I felt their pain and the crying and the tears um, at my funeral. And it was so unbearable. I remember some saying, somebody make it stop. And it kept repeating itself and repeating itself. And I kept negotiating saying, at the end of this funeral, please let me just die and pass on. And every time I would get to the point where it would be done, it would start over again. It was like my worst nightmare. And that life review kept repeating and repeating. And like I said, others were happening at the same time. So I'm experiencing all of this. And at the end of that whole life review, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to come back. And the reason I made that choice is because throughout the life reviews, I understood how the world works, how my soul works, why I was experiencing the suffering in this lifetime, and how it was connected to every other lifetime, past, present, future, in every single dimension. And what is it that you learned? Because I have a funny feeling there's people living just as you had that could benefit to hear this, including myself. Yeah, and it's always a tough it's always tough for me to answer it mostly because it's so unique to each soul that for a long time I was confused at, well, if I say what I experienced for myself, I'm making it, I'm making everybody think that that's what their issue is. So this is how I explain what I came to learn. I came to learn that the core everybody has some core issue that they're dealing with in this lifetime. Like if you really sat and thought about a repeated behavior or circumstance that you always find yourself in, such as a bad relationship right, or right. money issues yeah. or something that's so obvious to you, like here I am again yeah. in, in, a, in another failed marriage, right? Right. There were repeated patterns in my life. And what I experienced in my life travel was it showed up in every single lifetime and every single dimension, even if I was a whale. So I'll give you an example. My issues, you know, I've, I've spent many years getting tuned in with my body. So 
I know how my body physically handles emotional um, trauma or circumstances around me. So for example, if somebody in my life, my past life, made me feel threatened in any way, I would feel sick to my stomach. Like if my safety ever felt um, compromised, it would go straight, it would go straight to like my solar plexus. So, um, and then it's connected to whatever my soul has experienced in life, et cetera. So it's unique to me and everybody else has their own set of circumstances, but that's, that message that my solar plexus is telling me if I were to tap into that emotion, um, I know where I know what it's attached to in my life. So I know, like, you know, I was having money issues for a, a, a long time, or I would make money and then all of a sudden I found myself like struggling again, you know? So I would have trouble like keeping money, like before my near death experience. And a lot of that was probably, you know, attached to like self-worth and relationship issues, trauma from my, you know, childhood. Um, And so it's all connected and it all always affects my solar plexus. And what I realized was in my different lifetimes and dimensions, even if I was a whale, I still had the solar plex issue and it, but it showed up differently. It would show up because I was caught by like a fisherman. Do you understand? Like, so I was caught by a fisherman that went right. through my diaphragm and the same feeling existed, but in a different way because I was a whale. Does that make any sense? It, yes. And it's a little strange, but yeah, right. you know, and not, and not by judgment, but I've heard so many different stories and they're all so yeah. different because yes. I think if you ask any human being, even about life, it's going to be a different story. So absolutely. Why absolutely. should it be the same as death? I do want to just be mindful of the time because I don't want to, yes. we could definitely go over an hour, yeah. but I don't want to keep you too, too, too much. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't want to forget, did you see any relatives or anything like that? I mean, I, I know did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I did see, um, uh, my grandmother on my mother's side. And I did see um, a th- close family friend that was very much, uh, I had my own, fa- I have my own father, but he was also kind of like a second father, almost Aww. like a, that, that father figure that, you know, uh, you know, both families kind of um, grew up together. So he had passed away about eight months prior or six months prior to me being in the, in the afterlife. So I saw, I did see both of them. Um, yes. And, um, and I was given some messages from them that, uh, needed to come back with me to, um, when I came back, uh, from the afterlife. Um, so yes, there was interaction there as well. Um, and I brought messages back for the loved ones. That's pretty great. Um, yeah, which was amazing. I mean, amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. But yeah, so I um, I did ultimately um, make the decision to come back. Like I said, because I realized what um, I realized what I needed to clear in this lifetime, so that because I realized that dying wasn't going to solve the issue, it would just keep repeating itself. 
yes, it would keep repeating itself. But like I'm, like I said, with the whale or any other life experience, maybe my lifetime in India, it just played out in a different way, and sometimes it played out worse. So I, re- so the reason I chose to come back was because I knew the scenario I was already in. I knew the current people I was with. So there, I knew that there were some ad- ad- adjustments I needed to make with myself and that the answers were that I needed to come back and live true to my soul. Oh, amen to that, sister. Yes. So that's really how, you know, I came back. Um, obviously, it took another seven years of health stuff to get my body back together. And I ended up having a heart transplant three years ago. But now I, I, I am back planted firmly on earth uh, amongst people again, uh, living uh, back in the technical world as well as speaking and sharing my near-death experience. But I'm also a director of communications at a technology company. And I'm, but I'm living it differently. I'm living from a place of somebody that just had a massive spiritual awakening, somebody that will not compromise who she is, and somebody that has really taken these last seven to eight years to embody, you know, what was learned in heaven and and the wisdom I, I gathered and how I show up now, the strength and the light people see is from what I know to be true from what I saw in heaven. And my biggest message of sharing my near-death experience is to allow people to understand that it's not so much, number one, that we want to escape our problems, um, including, you know, sometimes people say to me, I, I wish I could experience heaven like you. And, you know, it's, it, that's, it's not an answer to your problems. Um, and so I do like to share the life review because I know that for me, when I go, when it's my time to pass on again, I want to know that I at least made the effort to stand true to my soul and live my life to my highest vibration, my highest passion, um, and that I never let anyone, blood, family, friends, best friends, that I never let anyone stop me from what lights my soul on fire and what allows me to express love and and community and loyalty and kindness out into the world that's my ownership i own that so so no matter how ugly things can look in my life at any point because life is life it happens to all of us indeed it does but it is possible it is still possible to experience love and beauty and strength and a life of no regrets. Because that moment when I was dying, where I was flooded with the truth and I was wailing, it was because of regret. And it was the most painful feeling I had ever, I have ever experienced 
ahead of cancer and chemotherapy and months on life support at a heart transplant, regret was the most difficult experience I have ever gone through and lived to tell. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're sharing the story and regrets are a killer. I've heard so many stories, both when people yes. close their eyes before going under some kind of an operation. They're just, there's fear yes. there and there's regrets and then having yes. a life review and regrets. And if yes. there could only be some kind of a meditation CD that yes. brings you to that point just before you die where we can look back to see do we have mm. any regrets? Is there anything yes. left unsaid? And yes. instead of, you know, focusing on death, focus on life and what can I do yes. now so that when my moment comes, there will be no regrets. It's very Absolutely. powerful. Absolutely. And it's my biggest message. It's Huge. my biggest, biggest message. And, and what I realized is, you know, I came back from this near-death experience and I just wanted to, I wanted so eagerly to teach people and be like, no, live your life now, you know, like, like as if I could teach it. And I realized something very interesting, that I was more effective if I just shared authentically from my heart yes. and then I, w and then I just could walk as a living example of being the light. Yeah. And your story is so profound, Sherry, because I, I can't help but feel myself like, okay, if I had the same yeah. thing that's reoccurring, what would it be? And yes. what would it be like to deal with that right now? Because yes. I don't want to go any future lifetimes and deal with stuff, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, and I don't either after going through it. No. I don't either. Um, and, you know, I felt so at peace at heaven and I would be lying if I said I never in eight years or yeah, eight years, I've never had, I've never felt the emotions that I miss heaven. I would be lying if I said that. Right. I can get it. Um, and I, you know, and I help a lot of other near death survivors that have, that go that still feel that you know and i i get it you know well, it's grieving because from what yes. i hear it's unconditional love yes surrounded by light yes um, it's beautiful colors it's... that we can't see in this spectrum uh, sounds yes. we can't hear yes. feelings yes. we don't feel yes and really that intense love and then yes and then freedom of body so if you have any ailments mm -hmm. they're gone Yes. And then all of a absolutely. sudden you come back and in your case with yeah. medical issues trapped in the body. Yes. No more those feelings. I mean, that's gotta be grief. Yeah. Yes. And yes. a long time to process. I can Yes. Yes. Oh. And it, it definitely takes a long time to process. And what really helped me to process and anybody that's struggling or going through, you know, some emotional challenges right now, I want to really say that you're never alone. That's one thing I can say coming back from the uh, afterlife is that the veils, that there is no veil. There's no veil between us and our loved ones that have passed on. There's no veil between dimensions. There's no, and I know that's a hard concept because we live in a physical world. Right. But, but our loved ones are literally right next to you. Oh, and that's good news. Yes. And it's funny because a lot of times when I go to speak somewhere, people will be like, like, you know, sometimes, um, 
maybe a medium or something will be like, wow, you got a lot of people around you. Yeah. And I'm like, I know they all came back with me. Like they're all, you know, even, even after my near death experience, I spent uh, several months where um, souls that were passing on all over the world would actually come to me to transition on to the afterlife. Um, and it got to be a little much for me. So I had to ask for that to slow down, but they're all around me as I walk in, in this presence of heaven, even on earth. And we all have that, right? I'm just aware of them now because right. I just know what it feels like. Um, but we all have it. And I can 100% say, if you're feeling alone, you're actually never alone. And you you can, you'll feel like you're talking to yourself, but you have guides all around you at all times. And you just need to learn to rely on them and to seek them. If you don't, if there isn't somebody physical that understands you, like when I felt like I was dying and I felt like nobody around me understood, it was so lonely, you know, but I was able to tune in and tap into my soul and, and, and a bigger essence where I felt safe. Yes. And, and when you continuously make a ritual of that every day, your world and your circumstances around you actually do begin to lighten and change. But it, it is not a cliche when people say it starts from within. That's right. And for, for me, within means self-love to my soul every day. Sherry, I love you. You. I yep. love you, Sherry. Um, and, and journaling or meditating and envisioning my guides around me, knowing I'm not alone. Yeah. If I've li- learned one thing is that they're here all around us. That's how mediums can pick up on them. Yes. You know, we don't see the wireless internet that is connecting us right now, but it's right around us. Yes. Yes. And, you know, they can be. So, you know, I think, I I know actually that our loved ones in the spirit world will always love us, but they'd love to be included in our lives and not forgotten. Yes. So when you can act as if, you have spirit guides around you and that your loved ones are around you and start talking to them. You never know what signs they will give you and that they'll come talking back. Yes. But belief and starting it within, just like you say, is the, is the first step. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I, I am right there with you all. I mean, I, I share from the heart what I have done. Yes. And it was not easy, but I did it one day at a time, meditating, doing exactly what we're saying. And journaling really helped me. Mm. Journaling really helped me get those emotions moving, right? So they weren't stuck in my body. Um, So that's a great way to really help tune into, you know, those inner emotions and to tap into the spirits and the energy of all those around you. Um, I, I can promise that when you take care of yourself, even when your world looks a mess, I promise you, you can actually feel heaven. 
it's not determined on your circumstances. It's determined on you and your commitment to just do those few things for yourself every day. And I love your words, live true to your soul. Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too, on your website, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing live, love, laugh. Yes. And there's a little pop-up that we can opt in for your email list. What's that all about? Because you're somebody that's, I mean, you're definitely a difference maker in the world. Thank you. And you're up to a lot. Yes. uh, Yeah. That's what that is. So, um, so I, so it's a way for me to collect your email address if you're interested in staying connected with me, um, because what I'm creating right now is, um, you know, I, I, I just recently did a, a talk on how to create heaven on earth. And so, um, one of the things that, um, I'm going to be putting together this year is videos where you guys can kind of hear more of my voice and and see my face and feel my energy um, so that you know you're not alone. I really want to create um, resources and tools that have helped me over the years. Quick things yeah. that when you're feeling down or 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 sad or really in the depths of of darkness even that you have somebody by your side that you can at least plug in your earphones listen to or you can read some of my writings um i want to i'm going to have um upload some of my meditations that i can walk you through um so all of the ways that i've been able to finally after years step into my true soul's passion feeling safe within myself right which has reflected now to my outside life okay but yeah. i want to really help you starting within cultivate those daily rituals so if you sign up um you're going to experience my my universe and i want to share with everybody how it is that i walk heaven on earth even now even now back in business i know it's not easy to balance that um i still experience uh everyday uh issues and struggles just like everybody else but i have a different awareness and i know how i work through them and how I process them faster mm-hmm. which is great and I'm even looking yes. at your site you've got a couple of posts here how to yeah. walk through fire the secret to maintaining yeah. momentum yeah. during tough times how to discover your life purpose yeah seven steps to figure out what to do with your life I mean it's just it's just great you've yeah. done a, that's one Thank common you. denominator with every person that I've interviewed that's oh, had yes. an NDE is giving and serving Yes, and yes. there you are. Yes, and there's so much to come. So everything oh, on the yeah. website is just the beginning. Yeah. Um, but there is so much more to come. And I'm always open to feedback as well. So, um, you know, once you're, you're on my list and whatever, you're always welcome to write me back or contact me. There's a contact form on my website if you have suggestions and you want me to actually create certain types of content for you on certain topics um, or something. Like yeah. That. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So yeah, I love creating content that's specifically what's wanted. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, Sherry, 
Any closing words? Live true to you. Live true to your soul and always, always follow your heart because I can tell you this. Sometimes people say following your heart can get you into trouble. But see, I think following your heart, whether it works out the way you hoped or not, you'll never have regrets. And I think that's the difference is that a lot of times we don't trust our heart because we're afraid yes. uh, if we follow our heart and it's the wrong decision, then we have to explain to everybody around us why we made the wrong choice following our heart. Yes. When the reality is you don't owe an explanation to anybody. You did what your heart wanted. It didn't work out, but you learned something from it. And now you choose what your heart wants next. That's it. Beautiful. No regrets. And you yes. can find out more about you on your website. Yes. And that is uh, SherryAme.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-E-A-I-M-E-E.com. Uh, I'm also very active on Twitter, which is XO Sherry Ame um, with the handle. And just it. beneath this episode in the description, there's live links that people can click on to go to your Great. site and to Twitter. Well, I thank you, Sherry, oh. for being our guest today. Thank you so much, Sandra. This is great. I loved being on here. And thank you for allowing me the time to actually walk through the this, the full story because I really yeah. feel like that's where the impact is so that when I say my lessons at the end, they actually mean something. Right, right. <laughs> so I appreciate well, the time. we appreciate you taking the time. And then also to our listener, thank you for being here for this past hour. And I think these conversations are so great. And my intent on everyone is that we each take a nugget or two or more for our lives that we can use to impact our life now. And I know for me, the living true to my soul and never let anyone stop what lights my fire. I think that's how you said it. Mm, but I yes. just, you know, we all have those things and it's so easy to put ourselves last and put everybody else first. But really is one of those times that we got to take care of us so that and love ourselves so that we can yes. help others. So thank you to our listener for being here. Um, just a reminder, this coming September 14th through 16th, I'll be one of many speakers at the Afterlife Symposium in Arizona. Their website is afterlifesymposium.org. Last year was an absolute blast. Talk about like-minded people. Just great. Uh, and did sell out. So you want to check on that early. The price is very reasonable. And our home base for this show is wedontdieradio.com. And now... I don't even know what number we're at, but it might be number 250-something episodes, all about great conversations about why our guests believe in the afterlife and how to have a powerful life while we're here on Earth. So I invite you to go there and just check out some of the past episodes and feel free to enjoy. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I have been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul, and that your life here on Earth is important. And like Sherry was telling us, you know, do we want to have a life review and see the constant patterns show up all over again? Or do we just want to face our fears, make a change, do it in this lifetime, and be done with it? I kind of like that, even though it sounds a little scary, but I think we can do it. So remember, as she says, too, you're not alone. There's your loved ones and spirit guides and all kinds of beings in the world unseen. But just 
standing right next to you right now. So I want to thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Oh,